Welcome to Keeping Up With Life, where we empower you with health, business and family life strategies for you to live your best days. I'm your host, Pippa Hansen. I'm the CEO, a mother of teenagers and have a passion to live an active and healthy life. Each episode contains practical tips and insights on how you can succeed in all aspects of your life, delivered to you in bite-sized pieces to implement straight away. This episode is brought to you by the Sports Injury Clinic, whose mission is to enhance the lives of its clients, staff, other professionals, and the greater community. Welcome back, Katie Barnes. Katie's an exercise physiologist returning for part two of exercising around pregnancy. Last time we spoke about pre-pregnancy and during pregnancy exercise, and today we'll discuss exercise after the birth. Welcome back, Katie. Thank you for having me. Always a pleasure. Now, assuming a natural birth with no complications, what and when would uh, exercise look like after the birth of a child? And I suppose you're going to tell me everyone's different. I know that. But let's talk about (laughs) hopefully a person with no other medical considerations. A normal, natural birth with no real complications, it's still going to be around that six-week mark before you get into anything over the top. Uh, In saying that, though, you'll be able to do some gentle walking with family, with or without the pram, depending on how you're feeling. Um, However, it's always good to get clearance from your GP. And every mama has to take bub for that six-week checkup, which usually includes their jabs and everything anyway. And regardless of whether it's a natural or a cesarean, mum still gets a bit of a checkup too. So to wait to that point before diving back into anything super intense is probably a good, a rough guideline as to when to re recommence what you were doing before. And then, of course, taking it easy as the start of it. Yeah, so zero to six weeks you're talking about, you know, walking, as you said, with or without the pram. Yeah. Um, what about something like uh, swimming, you know, low-impact swimming? Swimming can be a bit of a grey area. So typically, regardless of whether it's a natural or a cesarean, you will still have some some blood loss. So depending everybody's different as to how long that lasts for as well. So swimming while you're still bleeding is probably not recommended because you're still needing to track that blood loss uh, and whatever other healing things are happening at that time. You would just need to be very considerate of that. If there's been any repair work that's taken place, whether or not it's recommended to swim, That's something you'd have to clear with your own obstetrician, GP, whatever that would look like. Um, So personally, I wouldn't, but that's going to depend on your direction from your healthcare provider. Yeah, great. Okay, so we've got... I would recommend, though, (laughs) that if you have had a natural birth, it's always a good idea to touch base with a pelvic floor physio or women's health specialist just to make sure that everything's okay, healing, and in the correct place. The longer you leave those things unaddressed, the worse that they can become. So I would highly recommend in that first six to 10 weeks to probably touch base with a pelvic floor physio, especially if you think something's not quite right. Yeah, fantastic. Good advice. So we get to the six-week mark and we've, you know, had lots of sleep and we're mm. energised and ready so <laughs> and ready to get back into exercise, although that'll be freaking some people out. It. <laughs> oh, definitely. And it's, it's very much beyond that six-week mark and you think, yeah, I got this and feeding whatever method you're using, you've sort of found some routine and bubs is sort of feeding when they're meant to sometimes, sleeping when they're meant to sometimes, <laughs> uh, but you, you feel like you're starting to find a rhythm. 
and then that'll change. (laughs) (laughs) Forever Um, and ever. (laughs) Exactly. So, but always listening and respecting your body is, is paramount here. So, you know, if you think you, you forget pretty quickly what your life was like before that baby. And all of a sudden the whole world revolves around what they need. They want their schedule and can't go to brunch because that's the time that little Tommy sleeps. (laughs) It's crazy. So, um, some big, considerations are still those hormonal factors. So the pregnancy hormones that allow everything to stretch and allow bub to enter the world, they can linger in the body for anywhere between three to five months. So we need to consider that on top of your normal recovery. So everything's still going to be a little bit more stretchy, a little bit more loose and the extra risk factors that that will have when you're returning to exercise. Big one, speaking from personal experience, is running isn't recommended until 12 weeks postpartum. And postpartum is from the birth of that baby until forever. You are always postpartum after you've had that bub. So I tried to run too early. I was a cesarean birth. Um, and I think I tried to start running at around that 10-week mark. And Ange Anderson, I'm very sorry, <laughs> um, she said, no, Katie, 12 weeks you should wait. And I tried and my hips were sore for literally the two weeks following. My body wasn't ready and I should have listened to what she was telling me. And you probably, you probably knew it within your body anyway. You just weren't listening as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And doing too much too early is very, very common because you think, yeah, I feel good. I've had some sleep. And, you know, if you're lucky and baby sleeps in the pram, you want to run out and do some walks. And my experience, we were in uh, lockdown, it was wave one and week three after a cesarean, I w- walked like 36 K. <laughs> what an idiot. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, and my body was absolutely shot for the next week. Everything hurt. So don't overdo it too quickly because even though you feel like everything's kind of getting back into place, it's very easy to go, yeah, we'll keep going, yeah, we'll keep going, and then you pay for it afterwards. So those hormones are still floating around for quite some time afterwards. And then if you do breastfeed, you've got all those hormones on top as well, and that plays another another part. And then... And I suppose, as you said, those hormones were there for a reason. Exactly. They they were there to make everything loose and expand and, you know, and you're now trying to go, quick, all tighten up again, let's go. Yeah, and there is a really positive movement to get rid of this whole, you know, bounce back after the baby and get back to all the things that you were doing quickly beforehand. And it's if it doesn't work for some mamas, that can be really really downing. So moving away from, you know, why haven't you bounced back to your pre-baby body so quickly? Look after yourself, look after you as a person and you as a new mum, because that's a new job for you as well. So, and for all those support people out there, support that woman as well and, and help her find her way again, because it is hard, especially those first few months. They're very foggy, just sort of this revolving clock of feed, poo, play, sleep, <laughs> repeat. <laughs> <laughs> so it's it's tough. Yeah. Um, and you talked about, you know, running after 12 weeks and, again, um, that would be a minimum, wouldn't it, because you'd yeah. be wanting that to be for your particular body if you if, every, if exactly. everything's gone 
perfectly and all your hormones are out and your everything's starting to get strong again. Yeah. And it's also so we said before about zero to six weeks just taking it easy and sort of finding your way again. From that six to twelve week mark you can implement you know, your strength training and some Pilates and, and whatnot. And, you know, seeking guidance from from your instructor, your EP, your physio, whatever mode of exercise you like to follow uh, and not jumping straight back into where you were before you got pregnant. You could probably go back to, you know, if you were exercising all the way up, sort of pull it back from a little bit, but at least you've got a good steady base and that's why we should exercise through pregnancy as yeah. well. Because you've um, just hit the nail on the head, haven't you? Because if, yeah. you've, if you've got to, say, 12 weeks of pregnancy and then really not exercised past that, you've got mm. a whole other six months where you really haven't exercised. Exactly. So, and there was a whole lot of growing that went in that time too. So uh, I, I'm not sure who would exercise to 12 weeks of pregnancy when they're sick yeah. but then stop. <laughs> but anyway, each to their own. Um, that, Some yeah, people breeze through that first 12 I weeks. I know. Unicorns. <laughs> so, Linda Miller, you're one of them. <laughs> so, uh, but in that six-week period between – Um, sort of six and 12 weeks postpartum and implementing some strength training. If running is your goal, that gives you a six week period to actually get some, get some strength back into your glutes, find what's going on with your abdominals again, and start to build a nice strength base to return to running. And those are really key factors in preventing injuries. It won't stop the extra laxity that's in your joints, but it's at least going to strengthen the muscles around your hips and your back to help with that. Um, Other big factors with exercising at any point with that baby is fatigue. So if Bub has had an absolutely horrible night trying to get up and go for a you know, even a 3K walk first thing in the morning, it might be hard. Go easy on yourself yeah. and listen to yourself because sleep can, if if you've got a unicorn child, and Evie was really good from about four months to eight months, and that's when I ran, it was great. From that point on, it just fell in a hole because <laughs> she started waking throughout the night every night. Uh, but listening to what your body's trying to tell you is going to be a key part um, for those that are breastfeeding new your nutritional content needs to be considered as well and making sure that you're having enough food to sustain you and your milk supply as well as the amount of water that you're just having about to say yeah that yeah. extra amount of water with breastfeeding yeah, yeah and I'm not sure what the actual extra recommendation would be Melinda Braithwaite would be a really good person to talk to about that. Um, but for anyone that has breastfed, you are so thirsty all the time and you'll notice when you haven't had enough water because your milk supply will generally decrease a little bit or bub will just want more. So take that into consideration. Um, when you're returning to your exercise that you're not, um, and it's hard. Some people try and diet too quickly and then that's going to impact other factors as well. So, yeah, listen listen to what you need and what bub needs and trying to cater for that as best you can. Um, and I know we've done a couple of episodes in relation to, um, you know, the impact of sleep and fatigue and nutrition mm. on, on a person that hasn't had a baby so that all those rules still apply. You've just got to take these things into yeah. consideration. And there was a 
a meme or something floating around oh, a while ago now. And in the first year of a child's life, you lose like a month's worth of sleep. It's a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's a real thing. That's you a might total be more than a month. Stat. I'm not sure, but you know, it's and it does play a big factor in your own um, recovery from exercise work, normal things, as well as the strain that it can also place on relationships and friendships and people's expectations of each other. And things can get pretty short and snappy when everybody's tired. So um, exercise is obviously going to help from a stress relief point of view, uh, but as much sleep as you can. Everyone says nap when the baby naps. That's not always possible. Sometimes the baby sleeps on you. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So... I suppose it's strength training and as you said it could be Pilates or it could be something else that people do like a yoga or a tai chi or hmm. is um is it similar to before you were pregnant you know is it sort of that couple of sessions of strength training a week and a couple of sessions of cardio a week or yeah so it's the same guidelines as what we said for pregnant women as well yep uh, so you're trying to get to 30 minutes plus of moderate intensity cardiovascular exercise a day um or it's if you're looking bigger, it's 150 minutes of moderate to high intensity or 300 minutes of low to moderate intensity. Uh, and everybody's different, obviously, on what that feels like. And, and it's then, a week. Yes. A week, yep. yep. So, and most of the new watches like Garmin and everything are really good at trying to encourage you to get to those goals as well. Um, so that is a, a helpful tool if you have it. I use mine. I love it. Yeah. It really does tell you how lazy you've been. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And gives you some nice shiny badges when you've done something good. <laughs> uh, and then you're still looking at your two to three days of, of strength training as well. So that could be in the gym. It could be Pilates. As long as you are doing an exercise session where you're trying to, um, you know, stress your muscles is probably the best way to put that. Yep. And how does, what's the impact of then, you know, having that baby on the body, you know, the lifting the baby, where does that fit into strength training, yeah. carrying it around, lifting it, poor posture? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And it's, you know, the stronger that we are going into this postpartum period, ideally the better you're going to tolerate it, but it's, there's a lot of time feeding that baby. There's a lot of time holding that baby, rocking it to sleep. It's... There's a lot of hands-on time, especially in those first four months particularly. Uh, So your posture and body positions while doing that, sharing the load with your your partner as well can certainly help offload you a little bit. Uh, If you can access things like massage and whatnot, it can help with those aches and pains. Um, But it's, it's going to be different for everybody as Mm. well. So you can certainly tailor your strength training to uh, strengthen the areas that are particularly sore and we can give you exercises that you can do at home as part of a mobility or massage, things like that to help. Um, But everybody's different. For me, my upper back just was always so sore and especially while I was breastfeeding, you know, there's these fancy pillows and, you know, prop yourself up to make it all seem supported. But then when you go out and about, how do you hold the baby? How do you feed the baby without your big pillow? So I I personally never use them, so that would have had an extra strain on my upper back. And 
you know, for someone that's never really had boobs and all of a sudden you've got (laughs) boobs. So it's very much making sure that you're addressing those sore spots so that they don't continue to get worse. So, and then another big consideration is whether or not uh, random stat, I guess it's 90 plus percent of women end up with abdominal separation by the end of pregnancy, because obviously that space just continues to grow. It's whether or not it's come back together in that postpartum period. And that can take time. Some people can't, some people's never come back together fully, but they don't have any pain with that separation. So if there's no pain, they function fine. There's no coning or, you know, sprouting of of your abdominals out. So there's no pain, but does that have an impact on their strength around their It obviously can, uh, but whether or not it is a factor is here nor there. Um, It's when you've got that separation and pain, it's something we really need to consider. And there's all these fandangled compression garments that you can buy now as well to encourage the abdominals to come back together, Um, whether or not... You know, there would be some research behind the use of those things, but you have to wear them f- for quite a long period of time. And I think it's up to six, might even be 12 weeks actually, of 23 hours a day of wearing that compression garment. If you've just had a baby and you're trying to get out of this snakeskin compression thing to go to the toilet, you know, 10 times a day, <laughs> uh, that's hard. <laughs> so using those sort of tools can certainly help, or even the tubi grip. Um, the abdominal tubi grip pieces, you can get them from the midwife, the GP, the physio, whatever may be, um, and that can help with your recovery as well. For those that have had a cesarean, things are a little bit slower again because you literally are recovering from major surgery. And I think that's really important yeah. that people have to realise, yes, you've delivered a baby and it's but you have had stomach surgery. Yeah, you've <laughs> literally been gutted like a shark. Yeah. So it's those parts of your postnatal recovery are, you know, it's hard. And, you know, cesareans aren't the easy way out. I'll, I will fully put my hand up to attest to that one. So it's making sure that you're not doing things that are going to irritate your scar, pop your stitches, pop your internal stitches, and mm. then not know that that's what's going on. Um, and you still have postpartum bleeding, even with a cesarean. So mm. there's, and then you've got to look after the baby. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so the impact of cesarean recovery on your exercise, um, it doesn't necessarily stop you from doing anything. You would certainly modify some of the exercises that you're doing. Um, but it is somewhat normal in inverted commas to feel some pulling, stretching type sensations over your cesarean section scar because of the scar tissue laying down and repairing that area. It can feel a bit irritating. So it's something to be aware, especially if you've never had surgery and you've never had a scar like that. And it's quite large, that cesarean scar. So just being gentle with that area and not doing anything to further irritate Mm. it. Um, I think it's really important too. You talked about, you know, sitting and feeding and you've obviously do that quite a few times Mm. during the day, whether you're breastfeeding or bottle feeding, you're you're sitting quite a lot. So the the ability to get up and move, you know, we've talked about strength training. We know how important that is, but just that you might not be at the running stage, but that walking and moving and just not 
you know, being so aware of how much time you are spending yeah. sitting down or stopping because of the baby, of what you need to do with the baby. Yeah, and that baby just keeps getting bigger Heavier. as well. <laughs> so my my little Evie, she only started at like two point nine kilos. She was tiny, and but now at thirteen months, she's ten kilos. She's a buffer, and I'm still. You know, we're still having our snuggles to sleep and stuff like that, and she's heavy by yeah. the end of it. So, if you don't know what that feels like, just go to the supermarket and pick up a couple of bags of potatoes mm-hmm. and imagine carrying that round. Yeah. <laughs> so it was funny. One of our physios came in today with a client, and they were talking about this client's grandchild, and the physio's going, "Hey, Katie, how big's Evie?" And I'm like, "Oh, about ten kilos. Why? Oh, how old's your grandchild? Oh." She'd be about 12 kilos then. <laughs> and that's so, why you're back sitting. <laughs> exactly. So, and, you know, it depends on that baby goes through all sorts of development as well. So when they're extra sooky and in the early days when they're cluster feeding to bring your milk in, that's a whole lot of extra time that you're holding that baby, rocking that baby, walking everywhere with that baby. So um, the big ones that absolutely stuffed my back were the sleep regressions. When she, you are constantly trying to get this bubba to sleep and they're just fighting it tooth and nail uh, and that was in the middle of the second wave and I ended up irritating a disc in my back just mm. from constantly reaching over into the cot picking her up again reaching into the cot picking her up again. Because you were so tired you didn't want to get out of bed. No oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> horrible. <laughs> it's called survival. Yeah so coffee. <laughs> so it's making sure that you're trying to train your body in the best possible way to prevent re-injuries, further injuries, new injuries, you know, that whole spectrum of things. And your pelvic floor can play an impact in pelvic and back pain. That's another big factor as well. If you ended your pregnancy with some pelvic instability or that pubic symphysis um, malfunction, dysfunction, (laughs) um, same outcome really, but the whether or not that goes back to functioning as a normal joint again or whether you're going to have some longer-term issues and and seeing someone to help with those issues is a big part too. Um, Something we haven't really touched on though is if you have had a natural birth and you've had tearing, you know, at what level or severity of that tearing can play a big part as well. So... If, you know, definitely waiting until that least that six-week mark to be checked over by your GP or obstetrician, whatever may be, um, to make sure that you're healing properly. Um, if there is any long-term postpartum bleeding and it just doesn't seem quite right yet, get that stuff checked out, especially if it's worse after exercise um, at any at any level of exercise, whether it's walking with the dog or going to the gym and trying to get back into it. If, if there is any excessive bleeding that doesn't seem normal to you, then definitely get it checked out. Um, and we talk about, you know, running, and that's not everyone's no. end goal. Yeah. But at the end of the day... If this is baby, well, it doesn't matter if it's baby number one or baby number five, but you want your body to recover the best as possible so that as you're getting older, you're actually still a strong, you know, ageing female. Yes, definitely. So, and there is certainly pros and cons for the amount of strength training that you're doing, depending on what you can do as well. So, 
like I said, in those early days, you may not find that you've got a whole heap of time if your partner's lucky enough to get their two weeks, four weeks, whatever they can take off. Um, or, you know, if your mum or dad or auntie or whoever's going to come and help, it might give you a little bit of time to put yourself aside and, and give you some time, which you should. You should definitely do that. So it's you've got to find what you enjoy doing and trying to get back to it. And with those subsequent babies too, it's a whole lot harder apparently. I haven't been there myself <laughs> yet. But, you know, trying to make sure there's enough time for baby number one and then as well as the newborn and looking after your partner and, or, you know, I mean as a relationship yep. as opposed to, you know, it's gone from being the two of you to now three of you to now four of you that new dynamic still needs to find some time for you to be you. It's not all about everybody else. Mm. And I think we talk about, you know, how much exercise we should be doing and what that looks like. And I think you mentioned it last time that don't beat yourself up if you miss one, Mm. just get back and do the next one that you should be doing or need to be doing. Absolutely. And certain days certainly won't allow for that. You'll have to wear the baby or you'll have three appointments that you need to get to or it's raining or, you know, there's always going to be a curveball, but just try your best to not let it eat you, eat at you and just get out there the next day and try again. Yeah. Yep. So what would you recommend for someone they've had their baby six weeks ago, they've had the clearance from either either and or GP and pelvic floor physio, they're ready to start doing something again from a strength training point of view or yeah. just in general. Yep. Yep. So my first recommendation would be to try and seek some professional guidance. So yep. whether that's through the, uh, you know, the EP or the physio. Um, and if you're someone that, that has never accessed those services before, you can chat to your GP as well and they will have uh, a referral pathway usually. Um, otherwise there's, Always, you know, your team of mums group girls, they might go to a certain Pilates place where they've been going for years before the baby or there might be a local EPPT that runs mums groups that you can take the baby to. There might be a creche at your gym that you want to go to as well. But seeking professional guidance first is going to be a really good start because then we can talk about what injuries you've had before pregnancy, what injuries or sore spots you have now that you are a mama. So, and trying to tailor your program based around the goals that you have and the the sore spots that we need to be considerate of and not jumping too, too far ahead of what your capacity is at the time mm. because the last thing we want to do is cause injuries when you have a little person to look after because yeah. that just, who has time for that? <laughs> doesn't quite work that no. well. No, <laughs> well, it doesn't work as well because you still have to be... The parents. They still need feeding. <laughs> exactly. So, yeah, seeking seeking professional guidance from ideally your, your EP or physio or whoever your trusted health professional is to make sure that you're not going to be doing things that are going to injure you or make things yeah. worse. It's probably, as you said, setting really realistic expectations. Absolutely. Yeah. So, and you might... Which is you, around education. Yeah, for yeah. sure. Uh, and empowering you to know that you can do these things as well. So if you have had a natural birth and you've seen the pelvic floor physio, they might have certain recommendations, not only from a exercise point of view for your pelvic floor, but they may recommend that you don't do deep loaded squats, that you don't do split stance activities. If you've got 
pubic symphysis uh, dysfunction that you can only do double leg exercises at a low load. They're things that you need to be considerate of before jumping back in the gym and just going, oh, I used to do, you know, a 70 kilo squat. I'm just going to go back to that. Yeah. And you get to the bottom of the squat with no one spotting you and, oh, my God, what has just happened? So, yeah, getting some good professional guidance is going to be, you know, invest that time in yourself. Mm. And certainly here we're, we're welcome to having you bring in your little bubby so that we can get this right for you. And whether you continue training with us or whether you want to do it at home or at the gym or whatever it may be, we can make that work. The if beauty that baby now has is, to come. The beauty now be. is you can see anyone across Australia. Exactly, yeah. We, we have telehealth. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> for all those so, travellers. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> that well. can't get in or out of Victoria. <laughs> the other thing is we did a really good episode on the um, pelvic floor. So yes. and it talked actually about all those things you've just said, the squats and the weights and um putting too much pressure through your pelvic floor. So yeah. yeah. For sure. So the other thing that we haven't particularly touched on yet is recognizing your uh, your mental health. So postnatal anxiety and depression, I think current rates is one in four or, or something like that. And in those early days when you've had this huge hormonal drop after babies here and then you get that spike of prolactin and uh, progesterone, I think it is, to, to create your milk, and that change in hormone level is just, it's a roller coaster and a half. So there'll be tears, there'll be moments of absolute elation, and then you'll just feel like you've got nothing left to give. That's normal. Very, very normal. And lack of sleep is also, oh, yeah. It's a well, it form of torture. Punishment, torture. Yeah. Yeah. So, and. Everybody's family dynamics different. So whether it's baby number one, two, three, four, whatever's happened in between all of those as well, do you have good support networks through partner, family, neighbours, whatever may be, and all of a sudden it just doesn't, it's not getting better. You you just still don't feel yourself. You don't look at the baby and, and feel the things that you feel you need to feel and, you know, it's recognizing that something's not quite right and looking after yourself first so that you can look after that baby to the best of your ability as well. Mm. There is no shame in asking for help when that happens. No. From an anxiety or a depression point of view, if you don't feel it's right, and those weeks are very, very overwhelming. So reach out, whether it's GP, girlfriend, even calling services like Beyond Blue or Panda mm. is another one, which is very specific to um, pre and postnatal women. Um, it's and that's all private, free, confidential. Those hotlines. So, just seeking some assistance from someone. Mm. Don't don't let yourself suffer in that fog by yourself. Well, it can be a bit of a vicious circle yes. because we say exercise is medicine. But you haven't had any sleep. You're feeling terrible. You're beating yourself up. Listen to yeah. your body. <laughs> yeah, and and so you don't exercise. So you haven't yeah. got any of those endorphins happening, and you're not quite feeling yourself. And all of a sudden, you're in this. Yeah. yeah. And the maternal child and health appointments that you go to, they typically do check in with you a little bit. Um, the postnatal care on mama can get a little bit lost too though it's all about making sure that baby's weight head circumference and length is all tracking on the same path and they're feeding well they've got enough wet nappies you still need to look after you as well so um, for any support people that are out there listening if if mama doesn't seem 
right, give her that safe space to know that it's okay not to be okay mm. and and providing the right pathways for her to get some assistance for mm. sure. So it's hard and it's a big change in lifestyle and everything and suddenly, you know, the thing that would annoy me so much at the start was you could never get anywhere without taking everything but the kitchen sink. It would literally take you 20 minutes to that get out the door. Changed. I know. Yeah, well, Evie's 13 months down and you've still got to take everything. We're talking about that, though. So we're talking about what you carry and Evie's now 10 kilos, yeah. right? But how much does the bag weigh? I know. So all of a sudden you've got a 10-kilo baby and a bag that's probably five or yep. six kilos and you're wondering why you've got back pain. Yeah, and in the early, like we used a capsule in the early oh, days, yeah. so then that adds more weight to it as well, but... You know, it's it's tough to sort of get out the door in those early – or maybe it's just me. I don't know. <laughs> but No, I did think about whether getting a, a carton of milk was worth that amount of energy. <laughs> yeah. Well, even now with her in the car, it's like, oh, I really need to go get bread. Oh, I'll just wait till Jamie gets home and then I'll go by myself. So, now, you may, you're scaring people off here, no, Katie. No, now, I'm if sorry. you had your time again. <laughs> I'd still do it. Right. <laughs> Maybe and I'll I, just go get the bread with And her. I went back three times, <laughs> yeah. so I'm not changing my mind either. <laughs> so, it's, um, yeah, so certainly looking at the, the whole spectrum of things, it's still a wonderful journey to embark on. And like I said, postpartum is from the day that baby's born until forever. So, it's. It's not something that can just be fixed overnight. It, everything takes time, yeah. for sure. And I suppose it, it's a bit like if you've had an injury. It becomes, yes. Your body becomes weakened. So you need yes. to get back, slowly strengthen it, listen to it, consult the experts and... Move on. Move on. Yes. <laughs> Fabulous. All right, well, thank you very much for your um, input today and your uh, professional knowledge and sharing that with us. We really appreciate it. No worries. If you have a topic you would like covered, get in touch via our socials. The contact details can be found in the episode notes. If you have loved listening today and are looking forward to future episodes, please subscribe, rate our show, share our podcast with your friends, work colleagues and families. So for now, goodbye. Thank you for tuning in today and see you next week.